Welcome to Routing for Success, the show where we interview today's top logistics professionals, giving them a platform to share their stories and best practices. Today, we are talking with Lincoln Thompson. Lincoln is a contractor for FedEx Ground via his company, CWA Logistics, which operates out of Tyler, Texas and Texarkana. In this episode, we discuss his start in the FedEx Ground business right at the peak of the e-commerce boom in 2021. We get into some differences between running trucks inside of FedEx Ground and his fuel hauling business, which he also runs to this day. And then we drill into what is probably the most important topic of all, safety. I am pleased to present to you my conversation with Lincoln Thompson. All right, Lincoln Thompson, CWA Logistics. Lincoln, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. So obviously, we'll get into talking about your FedEx business. Before we get into any of that, tell us a little bit about yourself. What was your background before you had ever even heard of FedEx? Uh, it's been a long road to get to where I am currently. I went to uh, college at Baylor University. I majored in theater performance. I was there for four years, uh, did a lot of shows, performed as Hamlet and various other things while I was there. Um, from there, I moved to Dallas, Texas, uh, where I acted professionally for a year in different uh, regional theaters around the town. And then um, I went and got my uh, master's degree in acting from the National Theater Conservatory in Denver, Colorado. Um, was there for three years. It's a three-year program. From there, I got married to uh, my wife, who's also a an actress, or she was at the time an actress. That's where we had met. And we moved to New York City. I had an agent and acted professionally there for, uh, for a little while. And then while I was there, I got a call from my alma mater at Baylor and they asked me to come teach there for a couple of years. Uh, and we hadn't lived in Texas for a long time. So, uh, we thought it was a good time to come back near family. We moved back and, uh, I taught at Baylor university theater department for two years. And then while we were there, we had a kid, had our first child and, we were kind of at a crossroads of what we wanted to do and kind of what life we wanted to lead. And my father had, or my grandfather had started a, a business and then my father took over and he was getting to that point where it was either he was going to sell his business or me or one of my siblings were going to move back and take it over. At that time, I wanted to be a lot more a part of my kids' lives and what I was doing with teaching all day and then performing all night, basically seven, eight months out of the year, it just, uh, it wasn't a lifestyle that I wanted. I had a, a dinner with my father. He tried to talk me out of it. And, uh, but I said, no, this is what I want. So we moved back and I started in our company, which is Duncan Thompson Transportation. Uh, what we do is we haul gas and diesel products for convenience stores, bulk plants, commercial sites. Um, and we do it all through uh, Northeast Texas, uh, Northern Louisiana, and Southwest Arkansas. Is uh, we got 19 tankers that it's uh, pick your fuel up here, deliver it here within a time window because they could run out of fuel. It's hazmat dealing with hazmat, dealing with the DOT obviously. And so I came into the business not knowing too much about it, but a little bit about it. And uh, my first day, they threw me the FMCSA uh, rule book. And just said, learn it. Um, and so over the years, been doing that for now, let's see, I think uh, nine years. I've been doing that for nine years. And then I took over in charge in 2018. 
here at Duncan Thompson Transportation. And then, yeah, I've just been doing doing that thing for, uh, it seems like forever, but just eight years. <laughs> so you have a background in the transportation business. Like you had mentioned, you were diving mm-hmm. into the FMCSA rule book. You've got 19 tankers. So that's serious stuff. I mean, you're talking about, like you had said, hazmat in addition to you know, all of the, you know, DOT requirements and managing drivers who have, you know, commercial class A commercial driver's licenses. So how did you how did you hear about FedEx? I mean, it sounds like you're uh, so you run the fuel hauling business now. What made you even want to look for other things? My dad has done a lot of different businesses. So I knew I wanted to grow and I wanted to diversify. And I wanted to do my first acquisition with my father because he had been through them. And I wanted that kind of wisdom and guidance through our first one. So we went, we started that process, I think 2016, of looking for what we were going to diversify. And first, we looked at other fuel haulers and went pretty far with some people. And then it just didn't work out at the end for various reasons. Then we started to kind of branch out from there and, and look at other types of things. Like, what, what do we do well? What do we know? Well, we thought we just knew fuel hauling, but when we kind of just pulled it apart, we realized what we do well is logistics. That's what we do well. Pick up something here, deliver it here. And so we started looking in that kind of space of what does that entail? And that entails a lot, a lot of pretty much all transportation. So we even ended up looking at a flatbed hauling company and a large flatbed hauling company. And we went pretty far with them. I mean, we went probably six, seven months on that deal and it just kind of fell apart the last minute. I learned that along the way that deals fall apart all the time. Uh, And then uh, it was 2021, I believe it was, uh, beginning of 2021. And I had come across on like biz by sell and BizQuest and things like that about FedEx routes, but I didn't know what that meant. And because I always thought they were company owned, like most people. And then I just started researching it online and found out, oh, they're independent contractors. And the more I started reading in about it, I was like, hey, this is a, this could be a good, good opportunity for us because in fuel hauling, your biggest headache, and I would, I would argue in transportation in general is liability insurance. It is, incredibly expensive next to your payroll. It's going to be your most expensive cost and whether you're the safest company on the road or not. And over the past few years, just insurance rates have just been skyrocketing year over year over year, whether you have a clean year or not. And when I came across FedEx, that FedEx holds a liability. That was like a eureka moment. That was, we found it. This is it. <laughs> if if all I have to do is deliver packages and they can worry about that liability insurance in terms of obtaining it every year, then that is a huge weight off of my shoulders. Then it came to the thing of, well, whatever we diversify in, I want to be able to get to within a day's notice if I needed to. I needed good management in place and I needed to be able to get there in case something happened. And I'm in Atlanta, Texas, which is where Arkansas, Louisiana, Texas all come together. It's a small town. So there's not a lot of options around us. (laughs) And it just so happened in 2021, Tyler came open. A contractor in Tyler decided to sell who had been there for decades. And Tyler, most of my uh, 
uh, fuel hauling trucks are in Tyler. So this is like, hey, this is in our backyard. I can, we can do this. It's an hour and a half away from me. We can do this. So we, that's kind of how I discovered them. I, it was kind of all of those things. I think it was, uh, we went through route consultants to purchase them at the time was who he was advertising with, but we found it on uh, biz by sell, but that's kind of what drew, really the insurance. And then the fact that I don't have to go out and procure customers like FedEx does that for me. So literally all I have to worry about is the logistics and the safety of it. And we can do that. We've been doing that for years. So that's kind of why we jumped at it. You know, we're talking about class four, class five step vans. You do not need a commercial driver's license to operate one of these things. I would think that from an administration standpoint and regulatory standpoint, it's got to be a heck of a lot simpler to run a FedEx business than it is a fuel hauling business, oh, right? hundred percent, hundred percent, way less. And also the equipment is less expensive, obviously. Now in ratio to what you're being paid and versus the vehicle, you know, that that's really what it boils down to. But yeah, your, your vehicles, you know, we played a, the depreciation game. We already knew how to do that. So coming into this sector and being able to utilize that helps. And yeah, it, it's in a, in a lot of ways, it's a lot simpler. And then in a lot of ways, it's a little bit more difficult. So it, but yeah, there were, there were a lot of things that make it a lot simpler. So beginning in 2021, that's a really interesting time to have, have gotten into the business. I mean, anyone who's been involved with the FedEx ground industry for at least the past three, four years or longer, anyone who's been involved with the business understands that starting in April of 2020, that was the month, April of 2020, mm-hmm. things went nuts because with the COVID lockdowns, everyone was sitting at home, everyone was shopping online, and the package volume just surged. And so FedEx contractors across the country had to hire more drivers to deliver more packages. And that meant that they had to buy more trucks. And uh, things were just kind of nuts. So tell me about how did you look at the business in the beginning of 2021 uh, having trucking experience and experience running businesses. So you understood some facets of it, but I'm sure you didn't understand everything. It was still a new industry and there's a lot to learn for anyone when they become a FedEx contractor. But without any of that knowledge, how did you actually examine the business opportunity and decide whether or not it was a fair price and uh, whether or not you're going to be able to jump on it? How we, like we, we have been down that process before with acquisitions, right? And so we, we have a business lawyer who's a tax attorney uh, that we work with on every deal that we do and have get his eyes on it. But we, they gave us the price. They gave us financials, obviously. I mean, it's just getting all the financials. That's going to tell you about any company of whether it's healthy, unhealthy, what you can project. I mean, that's all you have to go off of. We looked at the year models of the trucks, how he was valuing each truck, tried to research if that was a fair deal or not. We buy a bunch of freight liners for our tanker company. So I utilized my, my truck salesman who we've been working with for a long time. He, he helped us on that to try to value those trucks, but it's really EBITDA. It came down to EBITDA for us. I know that's not how everybody likes to work, but it's, it was just kind of a tried and true form that we tested and route consultants kind of led the way on that in terms of how much of the financials we got. And they tried to coach us on how the FedEx industry works. Cause obviously you look at a second quarter of a FedEx contractor doesn't look too great. <laughs> you look at third quarter, it looks okay. Yeah. But you look at fourth quarter and all of a sudden they make all this money and you're like, where does that come from? Why does that, why does that happen? And then it drops off in first quarter. How does that happen? And they were really good about explaining to us about what peak was, 
kind of the trajectory of the uh, year. Also, the seller uh, was great. He, we really lucked out. He really wanted his uh, business to continue and to continue to succeed. He wanted us to set up. He wanted to set us up for success as well. Uh, he was very hands-on with helping us transition. So, in terms of the FedEx side of what we had to learn, we had a really good seller, and then we also had route consultants who was helping us. Not to be a plug for them, but I mean, that's just how it happened. But they they really helped us on those two fronts on what we didn't know about the the industry. How many trucks and how many daily routes was that deal? When we start, so we've grown uh, since we did that deal. I think we were running about 19 routes a day. 19 a day. 18. Okay. I, w- I would say somewhere between 17 and 19 uh, was what we were doing uh, when we took over. When I started, he was in rentals in like four or five rentals. He knew he wanted to sell and he wasn't going to go out and add some more debt to his bottom line or anything like that. So he rented. So literally day one, we bought four trucks and had them sitting there the day we stood up. I mean, we, we tried to get out of rentals at the very beginning. 17 to 19 is where we started. And then uh, every year we've grown a little bit. So where are you at now in terms of your scale? Uh, right now, we're averaging 22 routes a day, non-peak. Uh, once we get into peak, I imagine this peak, we're projecting that we'll run on peak day probably 32. Now that's just in the one we bought. So we've grown out of that terminal to another terminal. So just in Tyler alone, which is the one we we acquired first, that that one will do probably 32 routes at peak, peak day. And what other terminal did you expand into? So last year, there is a terminal in Texarkana, Arkansas, which is 30 minutes from us. It's our backyard. It's who delivers to my home. And, but they only have four contractors in the entire building. It's a small terminal. And I always thought, you know, if we can do this in Tyler, it's a, the old entrepreneur mindset, right? If we could do this here, how hard could it be to do it somewhere else? We, it came up as an open CSA. Someone lost their contract in Texarkana. And I'd reached out to some contractors to see if they'd be interested in selling in that terminal. And no one really was at the time. So I'd, I kept my eyes out for the next opportunity and texture kind of popped up as an open CSA. So I immediately threw my hat in the ring. And at the time we were looking for uh, some depreciation, some tax write-offs, things like that. It was towards the end of the year. That year we were, we were just going to need some stuff. It had been a big year for us. And, uh, and it came available. I threw my hat in the ring. I had to go through the interview process I think it's called an RFI. I don't even remember uh, where you write the RFI. I had to do that thing. They had to interview. There were like four or five of us that they were picking between. And we were awarded that contract for free. So I got this one for free. I do think being in Tyler, which is one of the best in the Lone Star District, I think it was uh, uh, helped me get the one in Texarkana. I had a good track record there. But we stood up uh, the last weekend of October. And then began <laughs> right in the middle of peak. And it was uh, it was it was one of the hardest two months of my life. It's, it's the way I gotta put it. But I kept telling my wife the whole time, this is gonna be worth it. I promise this is gonna be worth it. If it works how I think it's gonna work, it's gonna be worth it. 
And so for two months straight, I was in a truck, uh, which is hard when you're running a business in Tyler and also running a taker business. But I was on these Apple AirPods uh, while I was driving, delivering on phones, talking to customers in different businesses and doing whatever I had to do. I would go out, I would get to the terminal about 6.30, 7 in the morning and be out delivering until 10 o'clock, probably get, not get home until about midnight or one and get up and do it again six days a week. I even got my wife to drive for a little while and we're still married happily. Uh, so somehow that worked. I knew it was going to be rough. We had a bunch of accidents. We had, there was a lot of tension between us and the management of the terminal. As I told them many times, what did you expect? We stood up in the middle of peak. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be hard. Uh, but since then we've, our process has really turned it around and we've, we've become really solid there. And I would think of us as a go-to there, but it was, it was a rough two months. Yeah. So when you first, and by the way, for that expansion into Texarkana, you'd mentioned that was October. Was that October of last year in 22 or was it the year prior? Yes. 21. Yeah. 22. 22. Okay. So getting into the business coming from the trucking, trucking industry, what are some ways, Lincoln, that the FedEx ground contractor business ended up being different from your initial expectations going into it? Well, you know, I've owned a transportation company and we have some big customers, um, national customers, people who are very demanding. Uh, but I'm still the owner of my business and I make, I can make a decision if we want to continue working with them or not and adjust. I can adjust rates as I need to with the market to get drivers is difficult. Right. And so having to play the market to recruit drivers and things like that is very difficult. I thought going on, going into FedEx that recruiting drivers would be easier because they don't have to have a CDL or a hazmat. So there'd be more, more of a pool. Uh, I also underestimated the giant of FedEx of how, uh, difficult that can be at times. My dad didn't because he used to be a distributor for Exxon Mobil and he keeps telling me all the time, hey, Exxon was the same way. I you know, and you know, in my fuel hauling business, I have a customer same way. So it's these larger companies that have a lot of power, they they throw their weight around because that's what made them who they are. And uh their their standards are high and that's what makes them who they are. And, uh, but sometimes that can be frustrating for sure. So that, I think that was my biggest curveball. I didn't realize exactly how difficult that relationship can be and how sometimes you don't feel like you have ownership, <laughs> even though you do. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting dynamic. You know, I, I think a lot of people probably go into the business thinking, you know, it's almost like a franchise model, you know, they're my partner. Right. And in many ways, they are your partner. I don't want to make it seem like it's purely adversarial. But in reality, it's not a partnership. They are your customer, right? You own a trucking company. It's called CWA Logistics. You can do whatever you want with that company. You you can haul fuel with it if you chose to. Instead, you choose to deliver packages for one customer. And that customer name is FedEx Ground. And so they can be super demanding, just like you had talked about. The other one, uh, the other thing that you had mentioned, Lincoln, that Different from your expectations was driver recruitment. You thought that would be real easy going in. Tell us more about that. I, I thought it'd be really easy. And, and in a lot of ways, it is easier in a lot of ways. But 
what's what's great about my fuel hauling business is their CD, CDL and HAZMAT, which is difficult to get. Uh, there's a lot of background checks for that. They go into these refineries. They have to be background checked by Homeland Security. I mean, these these are like serious, seriously qualified individuals, very professional. In the FedEx sector, you'll get some professionals, but you'll also get some that are not at all. And you think everyone can drive, but no, they can't. <laughs> and so uh, the the pool that we generally draw from, they're younger than what my truck drivers generally are. So they have different goals, different things that are important to them that are driving them to motivate them. It's, it's, it's very different. And then also to get them in, you're, you're competing. So in fuel hauling, I'm competing with all the other trucking companies. Well, with FedEx, you're not dealing with trucking companies. That's not who you're hiring from. You're hiring from the general public which could be a package handler, which could work at the target distribution center, could be a waiter somewhere. You're literally competing with pretty much every other form of employment. So everybody's got options and a lot of them, you know, in fuel hauling, there's only so many fuel haulers in our area. So either they're going to fuel haul or they're going to get out of our industry and go to something else. Well, with the FedEx contracting employees, they, they can do anything. So you're going to compete with the hourly wage the of the guy down the street, uh, the mom and pop shop. You're you're competing with all of them to try to attract them. Would you be open to sharing like what's your turnover rate in your fuel hauling business compared to the FedEx ground business for for, the, for your drivers? I don't have an actual rate, but I would say we we have a pretty stable base in our fuel hauling. We've got a lot of really tenured drivers, a few of them that have been with us over 10 years. Most of them, I think, have been with us, I would say, three years plus. But we do have a few. We do have some turnover uh, kind of at the at the back end, but it's not it's not anything major for CWA. That's a big turnover every year, way bigger. And part of it is. That that's part of the frustration, right? Is I can't just pay somebody more. Basically, FedEx gives me a budget for the year and they're saying, we're going to pay you this. And so I've got to figure out what I can do for payroll. And I've got a percentage range of what my payroll to gross is. And I try to keep it in that range. And there have been times where a good driver comes to me and is like, I need more money. And I, I tell him I don't have it. You know, uh, that, that happens. But there's different things that I do to try to encourage a driver. I, I put them on a trajectory of growth within the company and have them steps to get more money and different opportunities. Right now, we're running contingency, and we have been for about for about four or five months. My people are hurting just like everybody else is in this economy. And I knew I couldn't offer a lot more money from what we were doing. So if we ran contingency... I can give them an opportunity to go make some good money and I can pay them more and, and we could cycle drivers out and get as many people a, a taste of that as we can to try to help support them during this time. And that's worked out really well, but yeah, that's, that's the turnover in my opinion is mainly has to do with pay. And I mean, there are some disgruntled people that'll happen and they get into it with management or whatever, but I, I think most of it is just, they leave for better money opportunity. What are some mistakes that you've made in your business over these first few years getting started? 
a lot. That was what was great about Texarkana is I got to start it how I wish I would have started Tyler. And probably the number one mistake I made was I bought the old contractor's trucks and I shouldn't have done that. I should have bought all new trucks. Uh, you can write it off hundred percent in the first year. So it would have been fine and not, he, he wasn't trying to, you know, he, he was very open with what he had. He, it wasn't kind of like he was trying to swindle me or anything into buying his trucks. It's just, uh, I guess I didn't realize what, what a beating they take. And so that's the number one mistake I made. We went in there and we, we bought his trucks as opposed to just buying all new. So when I went into texture canna, all new trucks, day one. Every, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't purchase one used truck for that, and it's paid off. Uh, my bottom line has paid off a lot in in this year. Other mistakes would be just, uh, I, I think every new person to the FedEx sector will deal with is delegating to your managers, and you don't know what to delegate until you know what to delegate. And that's kind of how it, it kind of formed was there, we would have things kind of fall through the cracks. I'm like, oh, I didn't realize I needed to worry about that. And so it took a little while for us to realize and cross all our T's and dot all our I's, you know, but I would say those are probably the two biggest mistakes that, that we made that, that hurt us the most out of the gate. For sure. What are some other best practices that you've been able to identify? We do uh, safety meetings once a week. Every week we do a safety meeting and that does a number of things. It's not just for safety. We do talk about safety uh, topics during that time, but we also talk about different things that we're struggling with. If it's uh, PPOD, which is pictures of, of the delivery, if our score is low on that, if, if our service score is hurting, you know, we'll, we'll talk about uh, different things. If we're abusing a certain code or if we could utilize another code better, uh, so we really use that time to really get everybody on the same page and, and also just to check in with each other. It's a time to get the entire team together, which is, is really beneficial. And it's actually not something I'm able to do in my fuel hauling business because in my fuel hauling business, they're all spread out. And now doing that within CWA, I'm, I wish, and I'm trying to find a way to replicate something like it because it is very valuable. And it, it kind of uh, unifies people a little bit. And we celebrate people during that time too. We'll have drawings for different gift cards or something. Uh, I'll attach it to, hey, if you get a 100% service score this week, for every day you get it in this week, I'll put your name in the hat to draw for Six Flags tickets or something like that. And and they, they get pretty competitive about it. Another thing is kind of our tiered uh, disciplinary system has really helped. So I kind of have a, a tiered uh, system where it starts as a, a verbal warning, warning, but there's always a write-up sheet with it. And so a manager writes down what happened, who it was with, and then gives it to the driver. They have to sign that they've seen it and that they've been spoken to about it. And then it goes to me and I put it in their file. And it starts with a verbal warning. Nothing happens. You get a verbal warning. The second time, you lose your uh, weekly safety and service bonus, which is $50 a week. You lose it. The third is a suspension, and it varies in degree based on whatever the infraction was. And then the fourth, you're fired. 
And ever since we instituted that, people have really started to turn things around just with a verbal warning. And, you know, we used to just say, hey, don't do it again. (laughs) And now we're documenting it. And the documenting seems to have made more of an impact. I know we had a a service score problem in Texarkana. You know, sometimes it ebbs and flows and we just got laxed. And I was talking to my manager about what to do. I was like, we need to write them all up. If, If they fall below our contractual obligation, write them up. And the first day she went down the belt line, just writing all the people who fell below up. And the very next day, 100% service score. The very next day. And since then, 100% service score. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing what that little thing would do. And all it is, is we're documenting and documenting as much as possible and letting them know that we're serious about it. We're, we're serious enough about this. We're going to write it down and we're going to keep it. And if we have to reference it later, we will. Uh, so that, that's been another thing. You know, I just finished recording a uh, series of training videos with a FedEx contractor named Sal Lerma. He's out of Yuma, Arizona. He's been a FedEx contractor for a long, long time, won the Entrepreneur of the Year Award several times over. His big thing is safety. So for anyone listening who wants to learn about safety, uh, he, he did his 10 steps to a successful safety plan. And we have that on our YouTube channel. You can check it out. But safety is so important as a FedEx contractor. You know, Sal Lerma, uh, he recounted the story when I was talking with him where he had a driver who was looking at uh, the scanner while he was pulling up to a light. And he thought that he saw the light turn green and he just got confused. He didn't realize the car in front of him didn't go. And so he rear-ended the car very low speed, super minor incident. But the person in that vehicle ended up lying and saying, oh, I've got neck pain. I've got back pain. I'm disabled. Uh, Dragged out in court for four years came out victorious because the guy was lying. But man, that was a painful experience. But not only avoiding situations like that, but FedEx has actually made it way more severe uh, in recent years with the introduction of Schedule L, you know, in the different tier systems, where if you meet certain safety thresholds, you can actually make some bonus money. From what I've heard, it's pretty tough to reach those. But what most people are just trying to do is to avoid the lower tiers where you actually have to pay back some of the revenue that was paid to you or, you know, you, know, you get you get dinged. So safety is more important than ever. Is there anything else that that you've been able to implement that's helped out your fleet with safety? You know, I, I, I think really that that tiered system is what's helped us with safety because it includes that. And like I said, that that weekly bonus is tied to safety and service. So if they if they get a ding on their vetter that goes against my KIs, they lose their bonus. You know, if it's a seatbelt, if it's a speeding, if it's uh, a distraction, all of those things. And I monitor, we use ground cloud. I monitor it. If I see it, I'll take, I'll I'll call the driver right then and say, get off your phone. I'll talk to a manager. You know, I've, I've been in the transportation sector for, like I said, eight, nine years. I've, we've been through a number of wrecks, some very severe. We've, we, I've had a driver lose his life before. And then I've been in, in others that are just little bitty scratches, right? So I've been in the gamut of accidents. I see how severe they can be. I know there there's a, a truck driver that used to work for us in my other company. And he left us to go work for another trucking company. And two months later, after he left us, he was in an accident and killed him. Come to find out, it was a distracted driver pulled out in front of him. And he swerved and rolled and it, the tanker blew up. 
And that person who was distracted driving, they were able to prove it. He's in prison now for manslaughter. And, you know, I go to all of my drivers. And I say, this, this isn't a joke. I mean, they, you, you could go to prison. It, it's very, it will happen. If there's a death and they can prove you were distracted, they'll send you, they'll send you to prison. And then I know from, from my perspective, you know, in Duncan, you know, like I said, we hold the liability, right? So we've had people lie about us and it is, and we'll be sued for a million dollars or something for literally just scratching the side of their car. And we've got it all on camera, by the way. <laughs> um, so it, it, it can be, it's, it's about teaching. And that's, it kind of goes back to uh, the employees you're hiring, right? Uh, the, how young they are is the scary part. I don't think they understand what there is to lose yet. And, you know, they don't, you know, a lot of them don't have a, a wife and kids. Uh, they don't have, you know, and so, you know, they're not doing it for anything but themselves. Right. Um, but those people who have families and kids, you know, I tell them, Hey, this, this is not worth it. Delivering a package is not worth you not going home. And, uh, I would rather you bring every package back than get hurt. And I would face the music on that every day. Um, so, I mean, safety has to be paramount because like I said, I've, I've had a truck driver die and it, and it stays with you and nothing's worth that. And I've had to go to that funeral, look his wife in the eyes, you know, all of those things. And, um, that's not something I would ever want to repeat. Um, so I, I, yeah, safety is, is the utmost importance and we can go into schedule L a little bit too, uh, that I'm dealing with that. Cause I've received a bonus for two quarters now. Uh, but what's happened in the last quarter is pretty interesting. <laughs> Tell us more. Okay. Well, uh, I have had three accidents in the past month and a half. All three, I was rear-ended. My driver was rear-ended. Uh, and in two of those, the driver who hit us was given a ticket. So all of those, we were deemed not at fault by the police. FedEx has deemed it preventable. Therefore, it will go against me on my Schedule L, and I probably will not get the incentive next time, and I may even have to pay next time due to three accidents that were deemed not my fault because they go off of ATA guidelines uh, rather than who's at fault. And so it makes it very complicated, and I have, I've been going through the appeal process. I still am uh, going through the appeal process on those, but it, it gets... Uh, the, the schedule L I'm really kind of butting up against it right now for the first time. Uh, cause like I said, we've been a very safe company. We were gold, uh, metal. And, and then, uh, uh, like I said, we had gotten the bonus on safety for two quarters in a row. Uh, and then we had a weird month and a half where, I mean, truly rear end hit from behind. <laughs> I don't know how it's to say. So explain uh, that to, I mean, and I actually don't know, and I'm sure that many of our listeners don't either. You know, when I hear that your trucks were rear ended and the, the police say, yeah, that wasn't your fault. It was clear the, clearly the person's fault who rear ended you. That's a no fault accident. You said that FedEx goes by a different set of guidelines, ATA guidelines. What does that mean? Sure. So there's these published guidelines for transportation and basically what, uh, in the way I interpret it, okay, is FedEx is trying to find, uh, if it's preventable or not, did you do something to help that was unsafe that helped cause the accident? 
or put yourself in harm's way. And they want to curb us from teaching, you know, they want to curb us away from those things and help us to teach the proper uh, rules of the road, I guess you could say. Uh, defensive driving is really what it boils down to. Uh, in one of these instances, uh, my driver had to do a wide turn into a uh, into a a driveway that had a culvert on either side. And she was in a 16-foot cutaway. So she had to do a wide turn. And they deemed it preventable because... Uh, they said it had to uh, that she did too wide of a turn and that her lane has to stay protected to where people can't pass her uh, within that line. And that's an ATA guideline. That's a printed guideline in terms of safe driving on the road. And so that's kind of what they go off of. They go off of those ATA guidelines and it can be frustrating. Uh, it can be, I mean, understandable at other times, understandable. Uh, you could look at it two ways. The negative way is to fight. And to, which I'm doing for sure. But the positive way is, is to also use every moment as a teaching moment, no matter what it is. Um, and I've gone at length with this driver, you know, I don't personally as a business owner, hold her responsible. Uh, but I do talk to her about it and say, Hey, this is, this is kind of what you could have done that may could have prevented it. I don't necessarily believe in this instance, but in the future, you need to know that this, this, this could help you. Uh, uh, avoid an accident if someone else isn't paying attention. Well, three accidents aside, I think that uh, Jason Grove from Grove and Davis is who introduced us. I think <laughs> yeah. he'll be very happy to hear about your focus to safety. And uh, so shout yeah. out to Jason Grove. I don't usually plug other companies besides my own on this, but Jason's referred a few FedEx contractors over to me to interview on this podcast, yourself included. He's great. So, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jason. Great. Um, hey, Lincoln, I appreciate you coming on to the podcast. We've been talking for 40 minutes now. I think that's a good place to, to wrap it up. Is there anything else that you want to talk about while we're here? I, I would just say I, I really enjoy the FedEx space. There is uh, a lot of contractors that are just in the FedEx space. And I see them get upset a lot of times. And what I go to them and say is, hey, look, this is this is like anything else that you're going to embark on. If you're an entrepreneur, no matter what you do, it's going to be difficult. You're going to have times where you feel like you're losing. You're going to have times where you butt heads with a customer. You're going to have times when it's very difficult dealing with employees and people. You're, you're going to have those in whatever you do. Um, FedEx is great. Uh, it's, it, there's a lot of safety net around it uh, for a new entrepreneur. Uh, and then it's a really, it really is a good culture and the culture is what you create, right? So the culture that we created within CWA, I really enjoy the people. They're hard workers, very hard workers. I admire them in a lot of ways. Um, and so I, I think anybody thinking about getting into the FedEx ground space, yeah, there's a lot of negatives and you'll read a lot of negatives. Absolutely. Uh, the negatives are always the loudest, right? Uh, but I, I, I think there is opportunity there and there is opportunity to build something there and it is what you make it. And so you just do your best and pray the good Lord helps you. That's it. Lincoln, it was good talking with you. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. 
Routing for Success is brought to you by AP Equipment Financing. In today's competitive market, it is essential to acquire the right trucks at a fair price and finance them in a way that makes sense for your business. Leveraging their extensive network of truck and van suppliers, the experts at AP Equipment Financing will help you locate the best deals on step vans, cutaways, panel vans, and more. Deliver them straight to your facility and finance them with low monthly installment options. Click the link in the description or visit APFinancing.com for more information. Routing for Success is an independent production of AP Equipment Financing and is in no way affiliated with or endorsed by FedEx Corporation, FedEx Ground, Amazon, or any other logistics company discussed herein. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Routing for Success.